everybody, and welcome back to the Book Nerds Podcast, Episode 2. Last time we were recording was in Miss Pillsbury's room over a year ago now. But now, we have moved on to Miss Gemma Laro, and today we have an action-packed episode today. Because over the past couple of weeks, we have been diving deep into the novel A Wagner Mante, a Wagner Mante written by Willa Carther. Now, in this book, we dived deep into the ideas and the different combinations and themes that have been uh, displayed throughout this novel and throughout this podcast today we will be depicting them and really trying to understand their full meaning and to start us off with this uh, podcast in the first page of this uh, we have Dr. Young Jew. Hello viewers of the book nerds. Thank you very much. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties right now. But uh, next, uh, for our second page, we have uh, the very honorable therapist, Hattie Shamra. Thank you. How are you, Henry? I'm doing hello, very good. bookworms of the book nerds. Doing very good. How are you? Great. I'm glad to be here. That's wonderful. And then to cut, and then in the middle of the book, on our third page, we have Roman philosopher Arjit Argwal, who is working on his PhD in Roman philosophy. Well, hello everyone, viewers of the book nerds. How are you, Henry? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing, doing fine. Doing fine. And then for our second to last page of the book, we have Milan, who is a cognitive psychologist specializing in trauma-based events. Hello, pleasure meeting you, Bert Nerds. I'm excited to see how cognitive processes are seen in a Wagner matinee. Yes, it will be a very interesting conversation, won't it? And then for uh, the final page, uh, me, the host, Henry Hall, I will be diving into this book and hopefully being able to let uh, you viewers have a better understanding of this novel. So let's get right into the podcast. And our first guest for the episode is Dr. Youngju. He specialized in the first uh, page of a Wagner Matinee. And uh, he is very smart when it comes to depicting uh, different lifestyle changes as a doctor and how it affects them mentally. So how are you doing, doctor? Great. How about you? I'm doing better than ever. So uh, as you were uh, really focusing in on this page. I mean, I of course you read the entire novel, but you really focused on the first page. Did you find anything special or imp or an important quote that maybe linked or uh, linked or different differentiated uh, Georgina and Clark? I mean, obviously, uh, like through family. I mean, they're similar, yeah. but that, like, I don't mean by that. Is there anything that you found? Yeah, so I found a quote, and it shows it shows how different uh, Clark and Georgina are. The quote is, she had come all the way in a day coach. Her linen duster had become black with suit, and her black bonnet gray with the dust during the journey. Uh -huh. It shows that Georgina comes from the frontier, and Clark comes from the city, although they have some stuff in similar. They have some similarities as Clark also 
used to live in the frontier, but moved to the city. Uh huh. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree with you about that. Um, do you think that uh, the same? I mean, we know how uh, Georgina she has these emotional like traumas almost, and like these I can't say panic attacks, but she has these like emotional like where she like really is like not in the moment i guess is the best way do you think the same effects would have happened if clark went all the way to nebraska in the rural farms to with georgina no because i think that inside the rural farms they it would have been more peaceful so like there wouldn't yeah, so like I, I kind of understand. So like, there when you're basically saying in Boston, it's like all it's always hustling and bustling. Like there's always stuff constantly going, like horses and uh, like cars and ships coming in. Because we, as we know, Boston is a major uh, shipping harbor. Um, another question that I'd like to ask is: Do you? Uh, how does this? How is the music uh, affected? Uh, Georgina. Uh, Do you think like Georgina? It, oh, continue on. She is deeply affected by the music because when they go to the concert, she is deeply moved by the concert, and she it caused her to well, want to stay. Well, of course that. But did you find anything? If you didn't, that's all right. But did you find anything specifically on your page? No, not. On my page, it did not talk about the did music. Did anything, do you think, hinted about the music playing a factor? No. No? Huh. Well, it was a great conversation with you, Dr. Jew, and I hope we have you on again here soon because your knowledge is always uh, so uh, inspiring and helpful. So uh, I hope you enjoyed your time, doctor. Thanks. Yeah. See ya. Welcome on to the show, Mr. Shamra. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Henry? I'm doing fantastic. So you uh, specialized in the second page of a Wagner Man today. Um, was there any quotes or things that you found significant in this page? Yes, Henry. Actually, there was a really significant quote I found. It was when Clark was describing his aunt Georgiana, Georgiana by saying, for 30 years, my aunt had not been further than 50 miles from her, the homestead. And this really relates to the text because the aunt, when she's in Boston, is really aloof from the fact that she's there. And then she basically tries to deny it. Yeah. How do you think that this is like one of our main themes, as I've said at the beginning, is like, we're talking about trauma and hardships. How do you think this is like relating to that? Well, honestly, I think it's more so related to regret because the reason why she left was to get away from her family kind of and them, and them always being on her back. So she gave up her lively life in Boston with all the culture to go to a homestead just to escape some tiny problems for a little high for a while. I, I just find that really interesting because I've never really thought about that, about the the idea of regret in this sense. Um, but it really, you saying that, it opens up a new uh, view or light uh, onto this uh, story. And I just find that really interesting. Um, is there any, do you think, connections that with this quote that stand out to one of the 
uh, other pages that would help us further uh, bring on our knowledge? Um, honestly, I think it relates more so to her being so regretful of leaving Boston that she doesn't acknowledge it actually happens. And I think that kind of relates more so to page 543, where when she goes to the music, it's like she almost doesn't even recognize it, even though it's so a part of her life from yeah, her earlier days. Definitely. Um, one of the things uh, that I was going to mention is, do you think that she would ever leave eventually from this homestead? Um, honestly, I think that just by looking at her behavior, I think that she would stay in the homestead because she seems so scarred from leaving Boston that this homestead is all she knows now. Yeah. And when she's in Boston, she's just so aloof from everything that's going on in the town. It's like she doesn't even want to be there at that point. I completely agree. And I feel like this quote really shows where she starts in the beginning of the novel and, uh, and how she ends up at the end of the novel, like wanting to stay. You know what I mean? Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And this is what makes the story so interesting is how Georgina evolves throughout the novel. So do you have any more remarks, Mr. Shamra? Um, I also kind of wanted to add about how there was a big connection with Clark, Boston, and her. Because she would usually stay up late nights providing for her family cooking. You're right. While Clark would be in the house too studying up. So she actually introduced him to her first, his first Shakespeare. And it's just really interesting how she also has that connection with Clark in Boston and she just left it. Mm -hmm. You're definitely... She has to deal with that new connection now of returning to Boston with Clark as he shows her around. Yeah, you're definitely right. Um, I'm wondering almost if like, because she's in Boston and she doesn't have her kids with her, like if she just has all this free time, you know, and like she almost doesn't know what to do with it. And she's thinking about music in the back of her head and like, do I go for it? Or do I not? So I think that will always be a topic of discussion when further looking at that quote. Um, well, it was great uh, speaking with you, Mr. Shamra. Um, and I hope you have a wonderful day. And stay tuned because next we will have the Roman philosopher himself, Mr. Argwal. Thank you very much. Right, thank you, Henry. Yes, no problem. Have a good day. All right, we're halfway through the show right now, and we have our best person yet, philosopher, Roman philosopher, Arjit Argwal. How are you doing today? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Um, so you had the middle, you had the middle page of this uh, novel. Um, now we're really starting to see how Georgina and Clark, how they are interacting, how they are changing mentally. Um, what things have you picked up on throughout the novel? Any quotes that you found important? I mean, before I get to the quotes, I really want to highlight like what happened on this page. Mm -hmm. It was huge because uh, at the beginning of the page, you see how uh, Georgina's aloof from society, mm -hmm. from the new pop culture that had emerged mm -hmm. from her absence. But then you see like the nephew's guilt for that and the development of how she later takes Georgina to the orchestra. So... My quote for this would be, um, hold it. Uh, the quote is, uh, she felt she had no recollection of anything but her discomfort. So everything that Georgina remembered from Boston 
was kind of like all the good things were gone. She only remembered the time she was sad. I think it's kind of significant because it's like related to her grief and how nobody can overcome like uh, the regret and the bad things that once happened. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I I definitely agree uh, about uh, how she is this aloof person who just doesn't understand the culture of Boston because she lived on a rural farm in Nebraska. Um, right, do you right. think that throughout the page, uh, th- do you see a significant change or like signs of her changing? Uh, you start to see it a little bit at the end when like at the end of the page, uh, we get to be in the orchestra where the nephew takes Georgina mm-hmm. and you start to see the change, but you'll see it more on the next page as we move on. Oh, okay. Um, so, so I know that you work with, uh, Thomas, uh, Forster, who is the author of how to read literature, like a professor. Uh, he, uh, texted me earlier today saying that you, uh, found something that relates, uh, to this book, but it not only relates, it creates a, such a greater understanding, um, to this book. Uh, I, I would love you to share what you found. Yeah, of course. Of course. So. Uh, in chapter two of that book, How to Read Literature Like a Professor, it's called Nice to Eat with You, Acts of Communion. Mm-hmm. And in that, uh, my colleague Foster, he argues about how like when people do nice things for each other or when they come together, it's like you can think of it as communion or something that improves someone. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, I was thinking like on this page, we have the nephew taking Georgina to the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And then at the orchestra, that's also people coming together. Uh-huh. And then that, uh, the music she heard there was kind of her spark to reality on how she became Georgina that she once was. So I think that's kind of like an act of communion because she was uplifted again and she became her old self. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Yeah. Exactly like Oscar argued. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you think that uh, if Georgina didn't like come together with Clark uh, and like she just stayed with her own family and her husband, uh, do you think we would uh, see the change that we have seen at the end of the novel? No, not at all. We would not see the change at all because the fact that she was, she used to be a music teacher. We know that. Mm-hmm. And um, when she came together at the end of the orchestra and just remembered her love for music, which she was isolated from this entire time, it really just sparked something inside that we would not have seen if she was not reunited with Clark because Clark was the one that, bought her tickets to the orchestra. I completely agree. Uh, do you see any uh, Roman philosophy in this? I mean, this is just uh, out of curiosity. I mean, I with a little bit, I <laughs> you could see a bit of you could see a bit of Marcus Aurelius in this. Like uh-huh. Aurelius, he he was a big advocate for uh, just deal with the pain, but without showing it. And I think you could see that in Georgiana because she was. If she was distant, you could tell she had pain, but mm-hmm. she never really showed it. You, mm-hmm. There was never a section in the story where she started she started crying at the end, but not from pain, from joy. So yeah. like it was a big advocate. See, I think I, saw a little bit. I mean, I'll that. I'll definitely touch more on this at the end, but I I personally believe that that's more of like the agony that she's gonna have to go back to Nebraska. But I, I'm not gonna get more into it. Um right. it, it's been a pleasure having you on this segment. It all you always amaze me with your knowledge on this Roman philosophy and just your overall knowledge of this book. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on for this segment. Thank you. Yes. Thank you.
Uh, and then up coming up next, we will have the cog cognitive psychologist Milan Lamb up next. Oh, finally, we've saved the best for last. Mr. Lamb, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Henry. How are you? It's been a long day, but I've enjoyed my time here uh, listening to the different interpretations of this novel. So you are a cognitive psychologist, am I correct? Yep. I study the cognitive processes of people and see how that affects behavior. Uh, I wish I was smart enough to understand that type of stuff, but hopefully you can help me with that today. So you read the fourth page today, and I felt like this was a very close point to where we were seeing a turning point. I mean, we know ultimately at the end of uh, the story, uh, Georgina, she wanted to stay in Boston. The music helped her. She like changed emotionally and she wanted to stay. What clues or things did you see that uh, led up to that uh, event in the novel? Um, well, from my point of view, I saw some clues or like when she got so excited, you would grab Clark's sleeve, um, as quoted on the page, the first number was the Tannhauser overture. When the horns drew out the first train of the pilgrims chorus, my aunt Georgina clutched my coat sleeve. And it pretty much showed how it was so like emotionally exciting for her. It was really like, um, overwhelming, but it really excited her. She was mm -hmm. happy. And then of course, when she started to cry, it was, um, tears of joy. She was so excited to see something like this that she hasn't seen in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I completely agree with you right there. Um, I just feel like Georgina, do you, I mean, you're a psychologist. Do you think that the, that maybe her environment, I mean, she was in Nebraska. Uh, she's been in uh, Boston. Um, I forget, I believe it's, I forget how long it's been, but it's been uh, at least a couple of weeks. Um, For sure. Do you think this environment has played a factor on her behavior? Of course. Um, I'm no environmental biologist or um, psychologist, but I can obviously say that the environment had a um, strong um, influx on her because um, when she was listening to the music, um, she, well, I mean, I also saw like a piece of symbolism from the. You're doing just fine as a uh, cognitive uh, psychologist. But um, <laughs> as I was going to. Oh, we have an advertisement. All right. So our sponsor for today, we are sponsored by the Boston Conservatory Music Lab. Uh, this is where we gain musical knowledge through music, dance, and theater. This is where our very own Georgina went to learn her music. Uh, it's a wonderful place. I can assure you by the end, money back guaranteed that you will get uh, your music. And if you use uh, code BOOKNERDS2 for your first lesson, you will receive 20% off. And now we're done with that. Thank you, Boston Conservatory, for sponsoring this podcast. All right, as I got cut off. I was going to ask, what symbols did you find in this? Well, yes, um, for symbolism, of course, tying this back to the music, um, I thought that the first notes of the first song, um, Tannbauser, that overture, mm -hmm. that, um, I mean, of course, it's broad inter interpretation because it's a symbol, but I saw it as, um, 
as almost as like her age. And mm -hmm. as the song progressed, it was like her inevitable age. And mm -hmm. I know it sounds kind of morose, but I said, um, as the song progressed, time progressed, and that her possibilities diminished and that her regrets drastically increased. And um, as I know that um, RJ Agarwal, he saw it differently as her tears of joy, but I also saw them tears could also have been like caused by sadness because she had many regrets during her life. Um, really? Yeah. Can, can you uh, elaborate on that? For sure. So um, as I said, at, for her regrets, she felt like she lived without this like pop culture. She, of course, was on the farm in Nebraska for a while. She lived without this type of music. And when she came to Boston to see this uh, symphony, she realized she was missing out on such like exciting sounds. She was living a more like boring life. She, of course, her possibilities diminished by every time she got older. So she was thinking, oh, I'm already at such an old age. I'm missing out on so much. This is just way too much for me to handle. And of course, that led to her emotional breakdown, which led to her tears. Mm -hmm. And of course, that could that could can be completely incorrect, but that's just my interpretation because I think of it as a symbol. That is an interpretation I feel like needs to have light shed upon, and it definitely will once this uh, uh, can I, podcast can I airs. Here? Like, no problem. Uh, uh, that was my. Uh, I I didn't see it that way. I'll be honest. I saw it different way. But that's the beauty of symbols, right? Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. As possible said, readings, um, symbols are for anybody. He is. Don't yeah. even add on to that. I I remember in How to Read Literature Like a Professor that um, Foster says that's the whole point of symbols, for all of us to interpret it differently. It is. I remember one quote that always sticks in my head, and I have it pinned in the back of my bedroom. No symbol has a single meaning. And it, and it doesn't, because this is a perfect example of what uh georgina's sobbing means there is countless yeah, symbols this is a perfect example of uh foster's chapter how to read literature like a professor is that a symbol right mm -hmm. chapter, 10. In that, chapter 10 correct is that in that chapter foster describes how it's not a symbol if there aren't a limitless number of meanings and right now we're seeing that in action mm -hmm. we definitely are and i think this uh this novel is just perfect for and it just correlates very well with uh, Mr. Foster's novel. Um, and the different interpretations they could lead to, I feel like, uh, different interpretations on your on the characters, on how one may view them. And Georgina is definitely a character that I feel like with how she feels about the music, whether she wants to stay in Nebraska, I'm not, sorry, not Nebraska, Boston, or whether she just loves the music, that can be, that's very debatable. And I think that, yeah, you brought up a fantastic point. So um, I don't really have anything else for you uh, today. It was a pleasure talking with you. It's a pleasure talking to you, Henry. And thank you for Arja and for Addy for joining in. Yes. It, thank you. I didn't even mention them, but thank you guys. Uh, yeah, good to pitching, see you guys' viewpoints too. Of course, in. of course. Yes, no problem. And up next, um, I will be talking about uh, the final page what uh my views are of course i will have everybody else here um unfortunately uh dr uh young jew uh he had to leave he had uh a surgery that he had to get into so uh and then that will be the end of the podcast so please stick around for this uh short intermission ah <sighs> Well, for the viewers who have stuck around all the way to the end, I thank you. Um, you are one of the dedicated 
uh, listeners. Now, I had the final page in a Wagner matinee, and I thought this page uh, was uh, fascinating. Um, Throughout the podcast, we've been talking about the themes of trauma, uh, sadness, recovery, and hardship. Um, But throughout, and that's why I mentioned at the beginning, but throughout this podcast, uh, more themes have been, have been, have had light shed on them. And uh, I find it fascinating. And because of that, I, I, I changed the quote that I want to talk about. Um, and this quote, uh, it goes by, let me find it. Aha, I found it. So um, this is at the end of the concert. It's one of the last lines in this novel. Um, Clark is standing up, everybody's standing up, ready to leave uh, the concert. Um, and this is how it goes. Uh, it starts off by saying, I spoke to my aunt. She burst into tears and sobbed pleadingly. I don't want to go, Clark. I don't want to go, exclamation point. A lot of emphasis on that from Georgina. So how I was... What emphasis do you think that has, like, being at the end of the story? Like, why do you think it's important that she burst into tears after? Well, I think it's important that she burst into tears after because it shows that now she is... She used to not be emotionally as attached to music. She kind of let it go. We know she worked at the Boston Observatory, um, but this is, emphasizes her attachment to music and how it... Everybody has a musical soul, and it was always in her. It just needed something to un uh, unfetter it, uh, for a lack of better words. And this concert has uh, let her musical soul be free. And now she just wants to stay. I feel like in Boston, where there's more modern music, there's just more stuff. Because in Nebraska, she wasn't getting that, uh, and I don't think she wants to go back to Nebraska from what it sounds like uh and i see what you're saying and i think i would analyze that as like her breaking point like she was just yeah. had so much culture inside her from that whole trip like it just absorbed her and her emotions came out would you say the same no i de- i definitely would uh have to say the same thing uh just one thing about georgina i just feel like throughout the book um i feel like uh, this isn't really it's more of a hidden thing, but I feel like it, the music, um, it feel like mute, this novel proves that music can change a person, uh, because at the beginning we see her, she's aloof, uh, she's like kind of timid, quiet, shy, and then she is just out, then outraged and emotion about wanting to stay in Boston, and I think that just shows how music can change a person. Could you say this as a, would you say this as uh she wants to be like she wants to stay with music not necessarily Boston just music in general that's a really good point um I don't know I think that'd be really tough to decipher specifically because she's been living in a farm in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska and there has not been technology around here I think that that's a good point that's a good point but you want to make a prediction? If I were to make a prediction next? on yeah. this, if there was a sequel, a part two, a Wagner Mantine part two, and I'm the author, I would have uh, Georgina. Uh, it's really tough. But I think she'd move back to Nebraska with her music and with her inspirations from this concert 
and create something. What she's creating, I don't know, but it's something that correlates with music. And uh, yeah, that's honestly about it. That's you a really what, good Henry? question. I think I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Really? Because I think in Boston, like, it's a really lively city with a bunch of culture and mm -hmm. spirit. And, like, when she heads back to Nebraska, she's not going to have inspiration and want to do anything. See, that's where I... farmland and bland. So I feel like her creative soul is just going to be terrible. You see, like, that's where I disagree. as it would be in Boston. See, that's where I disagree with you right there. Because I feel like the the all the um, things that were going on in Boston kind of, like, made her kind of shy yes she became less shy throughout the novel of course she did because she wouldn't be acting like this at the end but i don't feel like i feel like it just takes away from her person from her character be, well right now Boston. right now you guys are you guys are arguing about the or not of arguing but i'd say debating right about the role mm -hmm. of music well this could be also seen as a symbol you guys Ooh, are viewing well, it different ways it could be correct and just to add on to Henry and Hattie, um, I actually say I want to disagree with both of you on that. Oh, my oh. gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I thought that uh, Georgina couldn't find her like home in either place because um, when the music ended and she sat down in the theater, I saw it more as like depressing. She was just sitting there because the music was the only thing that brought like exciting values to that. Like uh -huh. it was the only transcendence like for there for her. And it was either you can move to Boston excited for what 30 minutes and then you're going back to back to the city which she can't really find too much more to be excited about or she can go back to nebraska back to like her old boring life so i thought that spawned another conflict yeah i uh definitely agree um well for me at least uh this is really all i had to say about this section um it was very thoroughly covered uh, by our other analysts, and um, I greatly appreciate you guys coming on. Um, but now we are going to wrap up this show. Thank you for the viewers who are still be here. Stick along for two more minutes, and I can promise you you'll be out of here. Wow. Um, I mean, second podcast ever on the Book Nerds podcast. That was fantastic. I mean, I could not have asked for more. A Wagner Matinee, written by Willa Cather, uh, was a fantastic novel. Read again in a heartbeat, five out of five stars. Um, for our listeners, uh, thank you for sticking around. Um, we hope you've enjoyed this. Um, as I mentioned in earlier, uh, unfortunately, Dr. Young uh, Jew, he is off in a surgery right now. He had to leave. Um, but... For our other four people, uh, therapist Dr. Hattie Sharma, philosopher Arjit Argwal, um, specifically in Roman philosophy, and cognitive psychologist Milan Lam. Uh, I appreciate you guys all for coming on to the show today. Uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you guys. Thank you so much for having us, Henry. Yeah. Of course, no. I get, you know, sometimes it feels like a job, but today just felt like I was talking with some friends. Oh, that, see, that's <laughs> a that's that's the beauty of this I podcast. I agree with that statement. That is the beauty of this podcast. Beauty of the book. No, it gave me a good break from uh, you know researching philosophy. Oh God, I could never course, do that. But um, how I always like to leave off my uh, my books, uh, is with a question, and we talked about Georgina. She went from one place to another. 
It's like going to a different world for Georgina. Um, how, let's say we all live in uh, America, my viewers. What if we moved to a completely third world country that had none of the technology or I guess completely different music if we wanted to take it in this perspective. But let's say we moved, uh, I don't know, some rural place uh, that's not well built up, maybe in Africa or South America, how would you as the viewer react? Would you react in emotion such as Georgina crying and sobbing? Would you move on with your life and try and make the best of it and try and make it better? Um, what would you do? For me, uh, I don't know. I think I would try and uh, work it out as best as possible. Um, what, what, what about you guys? Do one or two of you guys want to answer? Yeah, I, I think I could answer this. I mean, for me at least, it would probably just be not not as much as Georgina, but I think I'd feel it a little bit at first. I oh mean, yes, it's a completely completely different lifestyle. But at the end of the day, this is what was given to us. We have to work with it and mm -hmm. keep going with our lives. Yeah, exactly. It's difficult to adjust, but it's got to push through. Yeah, it's I. True. You know, life comes at you fast, and you just have to keep moving forward. Yeah, I agree. And I think, and I think, if Georgina was told that uh, earlier in her life, I think maybe things uh, would have been different for her. But uh, that's about it I have for today. Thank you, viewers. Thank you, Boston Conservatory Lab, for sponsoring this video, the number one sponsor of the Book Nerds Podcast. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye bye.